Are you ready for the Unleashed Tour, where shamelessness, sexiness, and laughter collide in a hilarious orgy of fun, discovery, and sex edutainment? Embark on a captivating nationwide journey with the Shameless Sex Podcast and an electrifying ensemble of sex educators and sex-positive entertainers as they bring you an unforgettably titillating live experience. Be a part of mesmerizing, entertaining, boundary-pushing acts, shameless sex style. Ever heard of the Slurpee stick shift? Want to learn how to bury your face in her? How about some dirty talk improv or brat taming 101? Hmm. Get ready for nonstop laughter as our charismatic hosts and entertainers weave humor into the fabric of this liberating celebration of sexual diversity and freedom. Engage in interactive segments, Q&A sessions, and a chance to connect with like-minded individuals in an inclusive and empowering environment. Listen up, Portland, Chicago, Seattle, we're coming to you. For more information and to get your tickets right now, go to shamelesssex.com and be part of a night that will be fun, educational, sexy, hilarious, and shamelessly unforgettable. Seats are filling up fast, so don't miss out on the most unforgettable show of the year. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHORE. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Who shoots the porn? Girls. Who runs this mother? Girls. Girls. Who won't love me back? Girls. And some genderqueer non-binary people. Hey! This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up, everyone? How you doing? Welcome to the show. If you're new, and you know what? Hey, welcome back if you're not. I am your host, comedian Billy Presida. Uh, this week on the Man Whore Podcast, we have got on porn director Holly Randall. And oh my, is she such a fucking delight. You are really in for a treat. But first, show dates, people. Show dates. Okay. This Sunday, January 13th, I am going to be at Comedy Fight Club on the Lower East Side at 10 p.m. doing a roast battle. Oh yeah. If you want to come watch me get thoroughly insulted, come on by Lucky Jack's at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a good time. But even more importantly, hey... This Friday, January 18th at midnight, tickets go on sale for Tour de Manhor. Oh, yeah. This I'm super excited for. This I've been planning for months. Taking the Manhor podcast on the road in 2019, hopefully to a city near you. This Friday, pre-sale discounted tickets go live. The catch being that you don't quite know the date of the show. You do know that's going to be between mid-May and the end of June. And once I sell 20 tickets in any particular market, I'm going to come to that city. Some of you might be saying, ah, you know, I'd, I'd rather know when the show is. I'm just going to say this. If we don't hit that 20 ticket threshold by March 31st, I ain't coming to you. So be careful because you might be the deciding ticket sale that either brings me to Bloomington, Indiana, or keeps me here at home in New York City. So let me run through these cities one last time. We've got 20 cities that are up for grabs right now. 20 cities I could be coming to this year. We got Atlanta, Austin, Bloomington, Boston, Chicago, 
Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Detroit, Los Angeles, Memphis, Miami, Minneapolis, Philadelphia. I'm so sorry about your Eagles, everybody. I'm so sorry. Um, Pittsburgh, Portland, San Francisco, Oakland area, uh, Washington, D.C. And for my international peeps, we got Toronto, Vancouver, and jolly old London. The terms and conditions for those international cities are slightly different, but it's the same general concept. So if you want to be the first to get your pre-sale discounted ticket, of which, by the way, there's only 20, all you got to do is go to manwhorepod.com slash tour. Again, tickets are going on sale this Friday, January 18th at manwhorepod.com slash tour, and your deadline is March 31st. Uh, what have I been up to? You know, I don't, I don't often, I haven't been giving y'all too many life updates for me. I don't think at least definitely not of like the romantic, uh, sexual variety. I'll be honest with you. Haven't been terribly busy up until right now. Cause somehow I found myself organizing not one, but two gangbangs this upcoming weekend. Billy's about to be a busy boy. You see, uh, a couple weeks ago, like right before New Year's Eve, I threw a gangbang for a dear friend of mine. Not someone I'm fucking. Not someone I used to fuck. Not someone I'm trying to fuck. Just just a friend of mine. A really hot friend of mine. But a friend of mine. I'm just that nice of a friend, I guess. I posted uh, the success story on Reddit because that's where I had recruited most of the dicks involved. Multiple women reached out to me to say, oh my gosh, that was so hot. Gangbangs are my fantasy. I would love for you to set one up for me. Now, when the first person responded, uh, I was like, oh my God, that's, that's awesome. Let's do it. When the second one responded, I was like, wow, isn't that funny? I guess I'm organizing two gangbangs. And, th- and then when the third chick hit me up, I was like, Maybe I should be charging for this service. I Am I missing an opportunity here? Was I always meant to be some sort of like pervy party planner? What's up? So one of, one of the women dropped out, but two of the women, we're, we seem to be all systems go for. And I got to tell you, this shit is exhausting, is mentally taxing. And if any of you dudes who applied are listening right now, fucking my patience is is at its threshold i don't understand when dudes are, are are offered the prospect of sex with a hot woman and not just like sex with a hot woman but like mostly selfish sex with a hot woman you know a gangbang a sexual situation where yes it's nice when you're you know rubbing her clit or eating her out or, or, or stuff like that but at the end of the day your job is really to be a hard cock and give it to her. That's most of your job. Because she's looking to have volume more than she's looking to like, uh, you know, get that nut off right away. So when dudes are faced with this prospect of uh, this opportunity, I should call it, of selfish sex with a woman, uh, you know, I don't understand why you don't follow instructions. I give easy instructions. All I ask is that you read and you follow my instructions. It's so simple. I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, when when you're organizing something through the internet with strangers on the internet, especially when there's multiple strangers on the internet, and especially when they're uh, dick-wielding dude people, what I like to do is I like to make them jump through hoops. Because for me, I need to know you can follow instructions. If you can't follow instructions, I can't trust you to, uh, you know, follow the big 
consent-driven instructions. I even like to sprinkle in some brown M&M requests here and there. Do you know about the brown M&Ms? I love this story of the brown M&Ms. Legend has it that Van Halen would ask for a bowl of M&Ms with all of the brown candies removed before every show. They put that in their rider. The theory being is that, you know, if they come to the green room and there's a bowl of no brown M&Ms, then all the other important requests that have to do with like their equipment and the sound and all that stuff, they can trust that those things got followed because, well, they followed this tiny, super specific and annoying task. So that's why I like to, I like to throw brown M&Ms in there. Here's all I asked for. I asked dudes in the beginning, I I posted on Reddit for both gangbangs. I laid out what each of these women want. I laid out the boundaries. This is also why it's important for to read the entire post because there's important information in there. And then I just asked like, hey, what's your email address? What's your penis size? And send me a screenshot of you subscribed to the Man Whore Podcast. Am I shameless? Yes. But you know what? I'm the one organizing this thing and it's not my fantasy. So I don't mind if I get something out of it. Allow me to be a brilliant marketing person. Anyways, uh... <laughs> I'm starting to think maybe I should like write a fucking pamphlet on how to th- how to organize a safe consensual gangbang because I'm I'm about to have done three in less than a month. Dudes, follow instructions, okay? Follow the instructions. When you're responding to an ad on a Reddit or back in the day on Craigslist, like don't answer with a one-liner. Expound a bit, unless the people say. Just send me these pieces of information like I did. You know, say a little bit. Say what, why should we pick you? Because there are going to be dozens, if not hundreds of applicants. I mean, Jesus, I got 70 to 80 applicants for a gangbang posting as the dude. If I were a woman posting, just being like, hey, I I just want to fuck a guy. Hundreds, hundreds destroyed inbox. Be be someone who can stand out because if you just said like, yeah, I want to fuck you and I got a big dick, that's not going to get you anywhere, man. And some dudes are all like, well, well, that's just so much effort to put in. I mean, I want to write all this stuff out just to maybe have sex with someone. And I'm like, then it doesn't sound like you deserve to have sex with someone on the Internet. I don't think you do. I don't think you should get to. If you won't put the little bit of effort in to write, what, five, six sentences five to six original sentences and a message. Uh, how do I know you're going to put in any effort to please that woman or to follow the instructions when we're there in the room? You know what I like to do? Uh, if I'm really horny and I'm looking through personals ads and I see something I want to ap- apply to, I know there's not a chance that I, you know, with an erection while beating off, am going to write like a message that I'm going to get like a positive response from. So you know what I like to do? I come. I come first, and if I still want to answer that ad, I'm going to answer that ad. I'll even leave the ad open for a few hours. Maybe I'll come back to it later. And if I'm level-headed and I still don't want to put in the effort for that ad, I just don't fucking respond. Because it's like, hey, maybe I was just really horny, and I'm not actually interested in putting effort into this encounter. In which case, I don't deserve to be selected for that encounter. And, you know, I like to share these, like, wild, crazy encounters that involve like strangers on the internet in part to just like show people, especially the women out there. If you got a fantasy, you can fulfill it. Like you can exact that fantasy. You can make that happen. 
there is a way to do it safely and responsibly. Because I know that whole like getting murdered in the face thing is a huge and very fair concern. And there are ways to mitigate risk. And there are ways to do things safely. And if you ask for a little help from a friend, hi, you might even have some physical backup there, you know, to look out for you. And one of the ways, especially if it's going to involve like multiple dudes, multiple strangers from the internet, one of the ways to weed out the people who do not deserve your pussy is to make them jump through some hoops and take out the brown M&Ms. Hauntmovies.com, everybody. Do you know about it? Are you signed up? Because you should be. I mean, hey, I was I was stroking at the hauntmovies.com last night, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Hauntmovies.com is a fantastic pay-per-minute website that has an insane amount of variety of porn. Literally whatever you're into is on here because I'm discovering uh, fetishes and kinks and types of porn that I didn't even know existed. It's a pay-per-minute porn site, so you just buy a bundle of minutes when you want to. No no secret subscriptions where you find out four months later that your bank uh, account has been charged like $50 a month. There's no secret, you know, hidden fees or anything like that. You're only getting charged when you decide you want to purchase some minutes. You can even watch some of Holly Randall's movies on HotMovies.com. And honestly, I think that's what I'm going to do tonight because I feel like that's just appropriate. You can watch some of her uh, some of her flicks, such as A Miss for a Mrs., uh, Open Marriage. That one actually seems more up my alley. Um, and then there's some big fantastical ones like Quest, which is a... Oh, actually, kind of want to read the, the description for this one. She's got this one movie from DP Digital Playground uh, called Quest. The description. Doom Quest's vilest villain will stop at nothing to acquire the sword of ultimate game-breaking. Only four role-playing noobs stand in the Dark Lady's way. Using bold deeds and mighty magic, will an elf, a warrior, a sorceress, and a priestess be strong enough to take down the big bad? Or will it be total party kill for our band of feisty heroines? I've got a sneaking suspicion that these ladies are going to win against the big boss in some sort of like all-girl orgy scene at the end. Just a guess. And you can find out when you sign up for a free trial at HotMovies.com. Sign up for the free trial using promo code MANHOR, and that free trial goes from 20 minutes to 40 minutes, all for free. Or you can sign up for a package and use that code to get 20 extra minutes on top of any package you sign up for. Once again, head on over to HotMovies.com, use promo code MANHOR. Hashtag pay for your porn, or, you know, like pay for some of it. Come on, be fair. Before I get to this week's guest, Holly Randall, uh, it's time for the fan whore appreciation moment. All right. This is the part of the podcast where I like to thank some of the members of my sex positive community on Patreon. Patreon is a fantastic platform where you can support the Man Whore podcast and receive a slew of great rewards, including access to private sex positive discussion groups and exclusive bonus episodes of the Man Whore podcast. In fact, tomorrow, all of my $5 and up members will receive 20 extra minutes of me chatting with Holly Randall because you deserve it. So right now, I want to give a shout out to Aaron Massey, the eternal optimist. I'm optimistic you're going to find what you're looking for, girl. Uh, shout out to Allison Furl. May your coffee be stronger than your daughter's attitude. I think you know what I mean there. <laughs> and uh, last but certainly not least, shout out to Illisher. 
you know, I know I I know I asked how to pronounce this before, but oh, uh, this person is a just a wonderful firecracker of a human who uh, who I met over at Patreon a couple months back. They are fucking awesome. And shout out to them and their crew over at Wicked Grounds, a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, kinky sex toy shop out in San Francisco. Thank you so much for your support. And you too can become a member for as little as $1 per month. And if $1 sounds like, you know, not enough, fine, fine, pledge to, pledge to. Um, really, sign up, $1 a month, $10 a month, it all makes a difference, and all of those levels get all sorts of wonderful perks. Hey, you know, sign up for $1 a month, sign up for $100 a month. Either way, I'm just happy you're supporting and that you're paying for some of your content. Because we're putting out good things here at the Man Whore Podcast. All you gotta do is head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And now for this week's guest, Holly Randall. Oh my. Um, Holly and I talked for about two and a half hours. I think only half of it is on mic. Rarely do I... Uh, enjoy the pleasure of long conversation and nerding out with people than I did with Holly Randall back when I was out in Los Angeles. Um, geez, we really ran the gamut of conversation topics. Um, one of the things we do talk a bit about is body positivity and body image. And I just want to make a note, you know, a piece of feedback I've been getting recently. And it's been phrased in this way by multiple different women. They've been specifically women, but some people have been telling me like, oh, Billy, sometimes I just want to like grab you and shake you. And I'm like, oh, shit, what did I say? And then they're like, because you're not, you know, the body stuff. Stop shitting on yourself. And I'm like, oh, that look, that's just kind of part of who I am. Please don't negate my experience. You know, that, that that's how I feel about me in this, you know, sack of meat that I live inside of. You know, something we didn't go too in depth of, you know, I Holly rightfully points out that women face all this shit for you know, the expectations about their bodies and the the uh, unrealistic beauty standards for women. But we do rarely discuss what are unrealistic beauty standards for men. Okay, think about anyone that, who is called objectively attractive. Chiseled jawlines, abs, that weird inguinal line thing. Dudes are also expected to have clear skin, a full head of hair, a massive but reasonable erection, and maybe not rippling muscles, but at least a sign uh, of strength. We can't be too short. We got to have all our teeth, typically, unless there's a good story. So, you know, one one piece of beef I do have with some of this body positive movement stuff is like, we do forget like there are unrealistic beauty standards for men too. I would say a difference is though that, uh, Men tend to have, we have a back door of like, well, we could also get rich or be funny. Could be rich, hot, or funny. Those are usually the things. Women, f- to be fair, don't usually have those back doors to be deemed like mainstream attractive. Or at least mainstream desirable. Because I think, you know, you don't have to be attractive to be desirable. And so, you know, when you hear me dis- describe how I feel about my body and whatnot, remember that it's it's coming from the same place that a lot of women come from similar but different whatever it all sucks and we're all trying to fight against this same bullshit i'm getting better at it but you know 
be nice when you're trying to be nice to me. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we don't talk about that topic too, too much in this episode. We do discuss a lot about porn. Uh, Holly grew up in porn. You know, she grew, like her family to her porn is a family business. And I thought that was fascinating. You're really going to enjoy uh, my conversation right now with one of porn's uh, most talented and favorite directors, Holly Randall. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You should. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Just be getting recorded all the time. <laughs> Don't tell me that. Because everything you say is gold. <laughs> Don't tell me that. My boyfriend would be like, oh my God, she'll never shut up. <laughs> it's like, no, honey, this rant is for a podcast. He's like, yeah, we were ranting for three hours this whole drive. <laughs> but uh, Holly Randall, hello. Hi. Uh, I, I won't like do too much of uh, intro just because I don't want to interrupt the brilliance you say oh god i uh, know it's really bad we've it's 4 30 you got here at 3 30 we've been talking for an hour before we even started fucking rolling but isn't that the best i mean when you ask me like do i in four and a half years doing this show uh do i ever get sick of it? it's like not this part whether the mics are on or off like this is the part i fucking enjoy sitting down just talking to people. but there's got to be some guests that you're just like don't you have a hard time getting some guests where you got to like really pull answers out of them? Because I'm I'm very self conscious, obviously. Um, who isn't? And so when I listen to my podcast, sometimes if I have a guest that isn't, I don't know, really engaging, then I hear myself saying a lot of ums, a lot of uh, a lot of like like I'm searching for questions and it's so frustrating because I feel like I sound like such an idiot. And then I listen to some episodes where I have a really engaging, intelligent guest who really like runs with the questions that I have. And then I feel like we have this really intelligent discussion yeah. and sometimes I sound really smart. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so much of it depends on the guest. So that's why when people ask me, they're like, Oh, I should listen to your podcast. I'm like, don't listen to these episodes. Uh, see, I just say, don't listen to like the early ones. If you're the type who bails on, on a thing early yeah so i actually after like a couple years in i recorded a little bumper mm. and i edited i re i spliced it into my first episode and it says hey everyone how you doing this is billy from the future um you know i'm glad you're checking out the show but uh these first episodes are really hit or miss for the first like 50 or so because but now the show's really good so if at any point you're like this show sucks check out a recent episode and then like mm. i swear it's better see that's funny because i think a lot of my early episodes are some of the best ones it just depends on the guest well yeah. like my first episode is my parents that's my favorite one oh uh, yeah because it's like my mom is hilarious and mm -hmm. my dad's a wealth of knowledge and they had a fascinating life and they grew up in the golden age of porn well they grew up i grew up i guess in yeah the golden you grew age up in porn. the golden age of porn they were 
were shooting in the golden age of porn. So they have like really, really interesting stories. And then, you know, some of my early guests were like Lisa. My second episode ever was Lisa Ann, who's, you know, hilarious. And then like some of my other early guests were like Mike Quasar. Um, that is a really funny episode. Uh, Kate Quigley, who's a comedian. So obviously that was funny. So anyways, um, yeah, it's just, it's so, so hit or miss. It's It's all about connecting for me. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the, I don't have trouble pulling answers from a guest because what I do is your, your page has more words on it, but they're not, they're just like topics. Um, normally my page will be like, it'll look more like this pretty blank. I don't show up with questions. I just try to talk to them. And if I, cause I, I believe if I can connect with the person, we're going to do great. Right. If I show up with questions, now I'm relying on them to like be good. But don't you ever hit like a dead spot where you're just kind of like, uh, you like this person has kind of answered all my questions that I had and now I have nothing else to say to them. Probably time to wrap up. How long are your episodes generally between, uh, the, the conversation portion is between 45 and an hour and a half. It really depends on the 45 and like an hour 15, I would say, because it depends on the guest. That's like Nina Harley. You can't shut her up. So that's going to be a long episode. (laughs) It's going to be gold, but it's going to be long. I didn't have to say anything. I could have gone and like (laughs) taken a nap and come back and she would have still been going. Yeah. And it would have all you would have listened later and be like, oh, that was great. I didn't need to be here. She's definitely a wealth of knowledge. It's amazing. um, The things that she knows. It's incredible. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, But yeah, yeah, I think I think the connecting part, I think the fact that we talked for an hour before the mics were on is a good sign like i don't i i gave you all my good material i don't need the notebook i don't think i need it i have nothing else to say Uh, (laughs) well well, you are a director of the porns i think we should just let people know right yes yes that's a good way to put it and you also do your own great uh podcast is is it just about porn or is just about the adult industry no it's so my podcast is called holly randall unfiltered Mm. because i'm unfiltered and i'm a photographer and it's not through a filter get it (laughs) oh i love puns that's like my favorite thing but anyhow it's it's really yes it's it's very much about the adult industry because obviously that's an arena i'm very familiar with Mm -hmm. i've been in the adult industry for 20 years i mean arguably longer if we're gonna count just like being around being around my whole life if we're gonna count being around it but actually working in the industry 20 years so which is insane i can't believe i'm that old because your mom shot was it was a was what did your dad do? My dad helped my mom run the business. But your mom, yeah, your mom shot porn. Yeah, my mom is Suze Randall, and she did. She sure she sure did. <laughs> and my dad and my mom have been together since their early twenties. So my dad helped her build her career. My dad is always, even though you never hear about my dad, he was always behind everything that my mom did. And yeah. actually, some of her early movies that she shot in the seventies, my dad wrote, and they're hilarious. They're so bad. Oh. They're I actually want to do like a mystery science theater 3000, like sit down with my parents, like old porn movies, because they don't make any sense. Yeah. And they're fucking hilarious. They're so <laughs> terrible. But that's the thing. Golden Age of Porn, what I liked about it was the storylines. Like, yeah. I need, I prefer. I don't yeah. need motivation, but I prefer to be like, yeah, but like, why are we fucking the pizza delivery guy? Yeah. Like, what's the motivation here? Yeah. Like, why does Kay Parker all of a sudden need to bang her son? Like, I need to know. Yeah. Well, one of their storylines I remember from a movie called Love Bites, and it was basically oh a mosquito that if it bit you, it turned into this like insatiable nymphomaniac, and then you just had to have sex with whoever was around. You know what What? what movie I what I think harkens back to that that I fucking loved was, uh, do you watch Crash Bad series that are? familiar with them no they do like a lot of feminist porn like up in the like um like queer feminist porn up in the area and so they did a flick called super freak 
the director Shine, she like would dress. She was dressed up. The director's name is Shine. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and she dressed up as Rick James, as like the ghost of Rick James. Oh my god! And whenever she like embodied, she would go and just like embody a person. Uh, what do they call it? Take exit one. What do they call it when you're pos- possessed. Oh, possessed? Yeah, she go possess someone at this like house party, and then they get all freaky and start like fucking somebody in the bathroom or the kitchen. And then when they come, like then she'd get out of that body and go possess someone else. And it was just such a funny type of storyline. Oh my god, to that's follow great. where I'm like, I'm gonna watch the exposition. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to come up with uh, storylines for. For I just had to write a script um, that encompassed five sex scenes. Oh. And it's hard to fit five sex scenes into, you know, like a 20 page script and like it can't all be the same people mm. and it has to make sense. And I remember I turned it in and the company has like somebody who reviews them. I don't want to say the company is yet because I haven't locked in the directing deal sure. with them. So I don't want to like blow it before it happens. But I remember the guy like came back and <laughs> one of his first criticisms was like, well, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense why this person has sex with this person. I'm like, you're making me put five fucking sex scenes in a movie and it's porn. Of course it doesn't make sense. What do you want from me? I was like, come on. It's like, it's not believable. Of course it's not believable. It's porn. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just so, uh, it's just so fun watching. And but then in the script, like when it gets to the sex part, like do you write, okay, sex happens, or like do you break down what you want to see visually? Oh no, no, like no, what's no. the what's the sex part in the script look like? I well, okay, so We're for the scripts that I write, I just say sex happens sex because. Happens. Generally, if I have good performers, they're the professionals, right? Not me. Uh-huh. So they know what to do. If there's something specific that I want, I'll talk to them about this before the scene, but I don't generally need to write it down. Now, for some of my clients, they send me very specific. What do you mean clients? Like people asking for customs? No, no, no. Or... Like, like, so I shoot for twisties. Oh, so, so, okay. Um, I've shot for Digital Playground, sure. like other like big brands. Um, and they will give me very specific direction, like if they want specific um, positions, um, a lot of them which are totally not doable, um, that kind of stuff. So they they will be very, very specific. And then other clients that I have, like Naughty America, literally just give me like a general scenario that they want, like they want an office scene or they want like a MILF and her friends or her yeah, her son's friend scene. Yeah. Um, and then I can come up with whatever, whatever scenario I want. So every client's different. Okay. That's f- I just always wondered that because I, f- I, I have a buddy who actually wrote a porno kind of as, as a gag for a BuzzFeed article that he was writing. But they, he ended up selling it. And so he got to like write. He was, part, he was the creator of the Hamilton, the Hamilton porn parody. Oh, Jesus. That um, uh, the Lee... Leroy, oh fuck, I'm forgetting the name. Oh, Woody, Wood, Wood Rocket, that's what it is. They uh they do only porn parodies, and he pitched them uh Hamilton porn parody. And they were like, "What's it called?" He said Hamilton, and they were like, "Let's do it." The stupid <laughs> porn titles are like the best. It, honestly, there's I, a whole category. You know, there's a whole category at the AVN Awards. I did when I went. Like, when I went, I looked up. I was, like, I was like, "This is great. This is my favorite category." Yeah, yeah. Fuck best anal. I want like who won the best title? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's some really, really good ones in there. It's so funny. What's so growing up like? What's what's? I mean, like, what's growing up around the porn industry? Like, I grew up around like the real estate industry. Way less exciting. Um, I mean, honestly, I know this seems crazy, but like I had a really normal childhood. Mm. So you're interviewing me in my home right now. I actually grew up in this house. I went oh. to that school across the street 
and that guest house back there was my parents' office. Okay. So I actually grew up here. So, so like people have fucked in this kitchen no, on camp. No, no, no. Okay. no. My parents never shot, never shot here. here. Okay. Mm-mm. No, they always. My mom had a studio, mm-hmm. um, or they go on location. Didn't your hot girls wanted episode like have a uh, if I remember correct? Wasn't it kind of like a family affair or? Yeah. So my parents now live in um, Malibu Canyon, and they have a ranch mm-hmm. out there, um, which we've shot at before. My mom's retired now. Um, but, uh, I started off working for my parents when I was 20. Mm. So I worked for them for about eight years and then I started my own business. But what's the growing up part? Like, what, like, is it like, this is weird or like, do you go like, this is weird, but cool or, you know, I don't know. I mean, so when I was very young, I knew that what my parents did for a living was for adults only. That was kind of like all I sort of knew. I remembered like, I wasn't really allowed to go in the office, um, But I didn't, I don't know, when you're a kid, you don't really think about what your parents do for a living. Like, who cares? I was busy running the unicorn club. You know, I had better things to think about. (laughs) And so, like, when I finally hit adolescence, that's when I became a little bit more interested. And I used to sneak into what used to be the office back there and, like, Mm -hmm. steal my mom's porn magazines and look at them and stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, normalcy is relative. So, it was... It was something, the the biggest burden was I had to kind of keep it a secret from a lot of my friends and at school. I remember when I was in elementary school, we had a project which was to write an essay about what our parents did for a living. And I was, I just remember getting that project and being like, fuck. And like coming home and being like, what do I say? And so my, now my mom had done some mainstream stuff as well. She shot for this horrible like 80s clothing catalog called Swimsuit International. And she had shot Robert Palmer's album. And she'd done like some other like mainstream glamour work. So we just talked about that. My mm. dad like helped me write the essay. And we only alluded to the mainstream stuff. That it's the only time done. like it's cool that the parents do the homework for you. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So... But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just something that I didn't really, like, tell my friends. Um, uh, definitely not my friend's parents because I didn't, you know, want to deal with that kind of thing. But otherwise, I mean, like I said, I had a normal childhood. I had a great childhood. My I rode horses. Um, my parents read me a story every night. We always had Sunday lunch together. Like, my, my family is still very, very close. So I had a great childhood. We never fought, like anything like that. So it's funny, you know, these people who like to be so judgmental about like, oh God, your parents work in porn. Like you must be like so damaged, you know? And I, I know these people that come from like these super Christian families or, you know, families where these parents think that they're, um, you know, so above and beyond like a pornographer, but like I had a really healthy childhood. Mm. And I think a lot of it is just my parents were very, open and you know they didn't teach me anything they didn't teach me that sex was shameful Mm. which is what a lot of kids get and so i think i didn't grow up with the idea that like the human body was gross or that like sex was a disgusting dirty thing Mm. and i didn't like lose my virginity super early i wasn't like crazy promiscuous in school um i just i don't know i had parents who loved me and who taught me good morals and that was kind of the essence of my childhood that's all like people need. Yeah, yeah, really. I think like if you just love your children and you and you teach them how to be good people, you know, what you do for a living doesn't matter. I have a lot of porn stars who are moms, like whose kids don't maybe know what they do for a living yet, who who ask me because they're concerned. And to be fair, my mom never did porn. She never was like in movies. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's still kind of the same principle applies. 
I know you you posed for like some sort of like like photography, but you never actually did porn. Or no, did you? no. So, well, kind of funny story. So, I did hire somebody to shoot me. I've I've posed twice. Both times I paid the photographer. I owned the content. Like I was never gonna, you know, let somebody shoot me and not have complete control over everything. Mm -hmm. So ten years ago, I hired a photographer named Mark Don to shoot me, and then a couple years ago, I hired a photographer named Lisa Boyle to shoot me, and in both. All of it was implied nudes. Mm. Um, now, I did shoot a couple of topless shots because I thought, eh, fuck it. Maybe I'll give it to my boyfriend. Maybe one day I'll post it when I'm 80. I was like, why not? Look right? at what these look like back then. Yeah, exactly. I swear they were good. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I never posted them. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe this, but a couple of months ago, um, actually like a month ago, we so I relaunched my website, right? So we had to re-upload a lot of sets. And in one of the sets called Rise and Shine, um, there were some topless pictures of me. And I specifically told my assistant to remove the topless photos of me before she posted the set to the website. Cause again, I've never posted them. Mm. Long story short, not entirely her fault because there was this technical thing that we didn't realize. She accidentally posted them. So I woke up the next morning and my oh, boobs were all over Twitter. Okay. And I was just like, holy shit. People were like, finally, Holly posted her boobs. And I was like, oh my God. But you know what I realized immediately yeah. is that once it's online, it can never be taken back. I mean, I say this to girls all the time. Yeah. I'm like, if you're going to do one porn scene, you may as well do a thousand because it will always be there. So I was like, fuck it. I'm like, I'm going to promote it and I'm going to make some money off of this because like, I can't take it back. I'm just going to own it. And that's what I did. And uh, my website actually ended up doing really well that weekend. I would imagine. And then I just posted, I had some more and I posted the rest because I was like, well, my boobs are on the internet now. Mm. So fuck it. It was 10 years ago. They looked good. A lot of Photoshop. <laughs> so what you're telling me is like, I should like ditch my silly, like I only did one porn rule. That's, yes. what, I'm, that's what I'm hearing from you. Yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. Cool. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. You should do more porn. I, I, look, you're not, I've had some people like literally tell me that I'm like, you're very wrong. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I wear, I, I sometimes wear a t-shirt well, but the, you, you haven't seen this. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about like, um, there's a lot of talk about like body positivity in, in porn, like stretching out to porn and, but it's always typically the female performers they're talking about we're not no what do you think about like the dude casting and not having just like dudes with abs are you trying to make like a little niche for yourself in there maybe maybe <laughs> not i remember i remember like ask I, I remember somebody like tweeted about like um wanted like shoot ch not chubby guys fetishly like large but just like average bodied maybe a little out of shape guys and be like i want those dudes in there too like i want to shoot that and then i was like hey girl hey <laughs> <laughs> i think honestly i think the reason that we're so hyper focused on the female end of body positivity is because women carry this burden of needing to feel like they're perfect you know mm -hmm. society and fashion magazines have like so long you know, idolized the perfect female form and made the rest of us feel like we're too fat and, or our boobs are too small or whatever. Like it's affected women so heavily. And as a woman, mm. I can say that. And the irony is like, don't, 
think that I don't recognize that I'm part of that machine. Yeah. Like the kind of stuff that I shoot, I shoot high end glamour stuff. I generally shoot thinner girls. I Photoshop them. Like I'm fully aware of that. Um, but I obviously have my own insecurities as well. Like I totally think I need to lose 10 pounds. Like I totally think that like I could probably do with a boob job. Like all those things apply to me as well. So, um, I really think this body positivity thing is great. I think yeah. it's really wonderful that we're looking at and embracing women of all shapes and sizes. Um, what's ironic is that for me, so the stuff that I produce is actually never the stuff that I would actually get off to. Mm -hmm. I personally prefer more average, normal looking people. And if you look at like the guys that I've dated, like almost none of them like have washboard abs or like super fit. I just prefer like you have more... a picture of the boyfriend. I do. Can I, I say? do. Yes. Just to feel better about myself. Okay. He, I, because when I, I see some of the porn stars post with like their, their like their significant others, I just get like, ah, oh, geez, okay. So this extends to off camera too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love him because for me, it's like it's it's all about who somebody is as a person, you mm -hmm. know, that's what I find sexy. Um, and the connection that I have with them in the bedroom has, doesn't have a lot with the way that they look, which is ironic because why can't I turn that lens of acceptance onto myself? You know what I mean? Like, why can't I think that I'm perfect the way I am and I don't need to lose 10 pounds and he's going to love me even if I like put on some yeah. weight, you know, but I, I can't, I'm still locked into that whole you know, idea of that a woman has to be perfect. And I think probably honestly working in the career that I work in, um, perpetuates that. So I'll admit it. That's I ain't perfect. <laughs> I I'm like, I'm very body positive, but like for other people, not towards myself. I'm like right. every, you should love yourself at every size. You should love everyone every size, except me. You need to body shame me. I'll never lose weight. Otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a struggle. It really is. And I wish that I hope that one day there comes a time that, I don't feel that way, but I don't know. I feel like it's something that I'm always gonna, I'm always gonna live with. That's something you've had for a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think my whole life. You know what I mean? It's funny because I look at. I remember like in high school thinking I was fat, and I was like 15 pounds lighter than I am right now. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I got so bullied for being fat so hard. I look back, I'm like, I wasn't even fat. Oh look, he's just a like a regular fella, bear fella, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's just look a regular you. fella. Yeah, he is. He's just. I love him though. He's like the best thing that ever. How happened How long to you me. two been together? Uh, a little over two years. Mazel. Yeah, look, he got he got big old thighs. Got a little thing you could squeeze right there on the <laughs> side. Yeah, it's funny. We actually he plays hockey, so we joke about his quads because he's got like really muscular oh, legs, right. and so we're always like saying he can't. He's always like busting out of his pants with his like muscular quads. It's funny. It's like that's not always the uh, the the body part we want to be busting out with, but like right? you, know, you take what you can get. Sometimes, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's an insecurity thing too. Like I don't want to be with someone who's like prettier and skinnier than me. <laughs> <laughs> ah i don't know i've never really had that but that's that's odd okay okay <laughs> the, the, the do you mind talking about the august stuff it's just it's just still on my mind i feel like august ames so we were talking heavily off yeah off mic about it yeah and like i told you i have a connection to that even though never knew she existed never see i, I saw her picture didn't recognize her i was never like oh yeah that no i just never but i saw that and just and I started reading the vitriol at her, and I just like got hit. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so a lot of people have requested interviews with me about August, and I've like denied them all. And um, the reason is is because I never felt like I was a 
somebody who was in a position of authority to speak about her. Sure. Um, I mean, I adored August, but everybody adored August. I'd worked with her a bunch of times. She was one of my favorite girls, but we weren't like super, super close friends. We mm. didn't like hang out outside of work or anything like that. So she was on my podcast and she had openly discussed her issues with depression and um, things that she went through when she was younger. And obviously at the time I had no idea that she was going to end up killing herself. And so when she did, um, a lot of people obviously turned to my podcast cause it was the only place that she had ever spoken about like something looking like that. for an answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I just, I never felt like, it was my right to, to speak about her um, and to tell people what August was feeling and what she was going through and why she killed herself and all this stuff. Like I just, I just did not feel like it was my place and I just wanted to stay out of the drama, you know, and I didn't, my biggest thing has always been like, I never wanted to cause the family any more pain than they already experienced. And I didn't want it to feel too like I was trying to, I don't know, get attention or publicity for it or something like that. Like just the whole thing was just like really messy. And I just kind of wanted to like step away and grieve in my own way. So I actually took the podcast down um, because when it was up, it felt it was different. So I'll just give you like a little background about the podcast first. So before she came on, um, now August had always been open about like her struggles with depression like mm-hmm. on social media and stuff like that. So when I talked to her about coming on the podcast, because my podcast isn't just about sex and it's not just about the adult industry, what's important to me with my podcast is that I show the world that these women, these porn stars are people. They're not just sex objects. They're not just, you know, cum buckets or whatever you want to call them. So it was very important to me to to show that. And so I want them to feel like they can open up if they're comfortable with it. And And so I asked her if she was comfortable talking about her depression, because I feel that that's something a lot of people deal with. A Mm. lot of people have mental health issues. And it's something that, you know, we as a society still shame a lot. And uh, people don't feel comfortable talking about and try to hide from the world. And August said, yes, she would absolutely love to talk about that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, great. And so, and I checked in with her so many times. Like, so before we started the podcast, I'm like, are you sure you want to talk about this stuff? She's like, yeah, okay. I'm like, all right, great. So we start the podcast, I bring up that question, and she went a lot deeper than I expected. I mean, honestly, like, I did not think that she was going to come out and talk about the things about, like, what happened with her family, and I did not expect her to go into that kind of detail. Like, I was really, like, blown away. And so after the podcast, I asked her, I was like, you went into some really deep, dark stuff. I'm like, are you sure that you want me to keep that on the podcast? Because I always ask my guests if there's something they want me to remove later, if they feel like they said something compromising that they regret, I I will take it out before Mm -hmm. I release it. And she said, no, I want you to release it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to check in with you before I actually like put it out there because I just, I want you to have some time to think about it because you really talked about some shit that is very, very personal and I want to make sure you're okay with it. She's like, okay. I checked in with her again and I'm like, I'm about to release it. I will send you the episode to listen to. Are you absolutely positive that you're okay with me releasing it with everything you spoke about? She said, absolutely. I'm very proud of the episode. I'm glad that I talked about it. I feel better for having done so. Mm. I want you to release it. I said, okay. And I did. And it got a lot of attention, but it got a lot of really amazing positive feedback. Like so many people said to her, 
you know, I listened to your podcast. Oh my God, you're so brave for talking about the things that you talked about. I also struggle with depression. You know, I always thought you were, I never knew you were like this. And now I feel this connection with you. And now I feel like I can talk about it. Like the, the shock waves that it, that it, it, put out and the way that people related to her was really amazing. And I know that August was so happy about it. And she responded to a lot of these people saying, thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And I spoke with her afterwards and she was like, I'm so glad I did that. You know, uh, so many people seem to have really loved the podcast and she was just like, she was really happy about it. So I was happy that she was happy. So when the podcast was out before she took her life, it was, you know, this story of a girl having, you know, facing her demons and, you know, having gone through some really hard times, but, you know, she was trudging along and she was working through it and she was still here and she was, you know, she was being brave in the face of, of what she'd been through. She was surviving. She was surviving. (laughs) And then when she's gone, it's like, it's no lo- like it ends with a happy story, but then when she's gone, it's no longer the happy story. It, or happy is it out there. Took on a completely different, um, a different yeah feel, and it felt almost like a premonition to a tragic event, and like that I don't know. We should have known about it. We should have seen the warning signs. Or I don't know. It just it wasn't. It it was different, and I asked um I asked her husband. Kevin, and um, when he called me afterwards to invite me to the funeral, I asked him, uh, I said, do you think I should take the podcast down? Because I just like, for me, my biggest thing is I don't want to cause her family any more pain than they're already going through. That's my biggest concern. And he said, um, yeah, it would probably be a good idea. They're going through a lot. I said, okay, fine. No problem. Um, and I did. And I got a lot of blowback for that, which Um, I understand I had one person actually who honestly like kind of made a good point. Um, he said, you know, by taking down her podcast, you stole her voice and now people, you know, know the story, they read about it and then they can, you know, they come up with, they conjecture about it and they think about, um, you know, all of these things and reasons why, but they can't go back to her voice and listen to her talk about what she went through. And you took that from her. And I was like, you know, and she was proud when it came out and all of that. And I was like, I totally understand what you're saying. I don't disagree with you. But once again, at this moment, August is not here and her family is grieving horribly. And, you know, it was for them that I took it down and I'm just not comfortable putting it back up right now. And that's kind of still where I'm at. Um, now, uh, it is, there are bits of it that's going to be in the John Ronson podcast, um, the last days of August. I don't know what parts of the podcast he has used. I haven't heard it. So I don't know how that's going to come out. I don't know how it's going to play out, but um, her voice will be in that podcast. So I, I guess people can draw their own conclusions. I'm a little nervous because like I said, I have come. no idea how that podcast is going to come. I don't know what conclusions he draws. I don't know in what, what avenues it goes down. I mean, he didn't interview me for it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't interviewed for it. Cause once again, I just, I don't, I kind of, this is the most I've talked about it. Uh. 
Um, I just, it's such a horribly tragic event. And, um, you know, the adult industry is still really touchy about it because she was really deeply loved by a lot of people. And she's not the just... first, she's not the first performer of like her age range to take her own life. No, she's definitely But this not. one has sent waves that are still here. Yeah. I think, you know, twofold. First of all, the Twitter bullying, because that's a very sensitive and, um, very, contemporaneous subject because there's a lot of bullying that goes on on social media and it's been a problem for a while because we've basically given the world their own soapbox and some people shouldn't <laughs> have a fucking soapbox it was like everyone deserves a voice do they yeah exactly <laughs> so there's that and then also um too like i said she was deeply loved i mean she was such a sh- bright shining star she always had a smile she was so wonderful to work with i mean there wasn't a person on this planet who didn't love august mm-hmm. so it was it was really heartbreaking yeah yeah um i'm very curious to hear and see, like I told you before, like how that the release of uh, John's podcast is going to hit the dough industry, which like it comes out right before AVN. So yeah, it's like it that's a very in- January you know, 4th, very specific releasing, I, I got to imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I like John. Um, I liked I really liked what he did with the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that his journalism um, had a lot of integrity to it. So. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah now, now, August was 23 when she passed. And I, I, there's been a, there's been a lot of talk about just like age and porn. Mm-hmm. Like, should we like, yes, 18 year olds by the federal laws just get to do porn or they get to do all sorts of things. Right. And then sometimes we go like, I don't know, like, should they like what, what's your stance on like um, age, like what age requirements in doing adult films? Like, should we still have 18 year olds like even. I mean, shit, even NBA said, like, you have to do one year out of high school before you're allowed in our league. It's like, I don't think it would be a bad thing for girls to be, like, 21 before they come into the industry because it's, I mean, nowadays with the internet, yeah, it's a serious life choice. Like, it's never, you can never take it back. Like, before the internet came along, you could do a couple movies and then a couple magazines and then maybe kind of fade away, you know, and, and then like your stuff would get buried and you could move on now. Yeah, but then your son finds it when he's 25 awkwardly, but like, hey, that's a thing you deal with later. But <laughs> yeah, but even then, that yeah. would be more difficult, you know, like in all the fucking movies that are out there, all the magazines that are out there and they're tangible products that can be destroyed and lost. But now the internet everything's on the internet forever and you can't you can't take that away and i think sometimes people don't really think about things before they do them especially mm-hmm. when they're young i mean i know i did a lot of dumb shit when i was young thank fucking god the internet wasn't around when i was uh. young so um so i don't think it would be a bad thing on the other hand i know some incredibly emotionally mature 18 19 year olds who it was the right move for them at that time and it was their only way to maybe get out of a bad situation you know it's it's enables girls to become their own personal entrepreneurs make their own money especially these days you know with the There's different so platforms so many different ways to make money in porn i'm it's impressive right. how much porn performers have to diversify their income streams and the first time i learned it like four years ago i was like wait you do what all this stuff at first i thought i just found like one porn star who was like brilliant like in in business and i was like oh this is what y'all do like this is 
insane. Yeah. yeah. Last time I counted, I had like 18 different streams of revenue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need every single one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, now, you know, girls can really do a lot of different things to to make a living. So it allows girls to be more independent, which can be really great. Um, but you know, I remember I had Asa Akira on my podcast and she said one thing, which I thought was really smart. She said the porn industry is a really, really great, um, job for a very small group of people. So like, it's not for everybody, but if it's for you, it can be like an incredibly freeing, liberating, you know, self-independent making um, career path, but it's not for everybody. So you got to really think about it and make sure that it's something that you want to do. And I've talked, you know, I've talked girls out of doing porn when they've, when they've come to me because it is, it is a decision that will affect you and, and follow you around for the rest of your life. Probably when you're like, when you're directing girls, like in that, like, let's say 18 to 22 range, like, do you, do you treat them differently than someone who's older, even if they have the same amount of time experience in porn, even if they're only like, you know, a year in the porn, but like one's 29 and one's 19, do you treat them a little differently? Do you direct them differently or it really, for me, it's not about the age. It's about, um, it's about them and their experience. So I really kind of vibe off a girl when she arrives to set and I kind of figure out where she's at. It's all, it's, there's a lot of psychology involved uh-huh. in what I do. Like I'll kind of, if she doesn't have a lot of experience, then obviously I have to direct her a lot more, give her a lot more direction. Um, you know, check with her beforehand that we're doing things she's comfortable with. If it's somebody who has a lot of experience, then I don't need to be so hands-on and I can kind of let them do their thing. So it really just depends on the girl. I mean, I've had girls that are 19 that are just fucking know exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're like super sexual. They're really into it. And I can just like kind of let them go and do their thing. And then I've had, you know, MILFs who are just starting out who are like, 42 who have no idea what they're Uh, doing and I need to give them like a ton of direction. So it's not so much the age. It just depends on, uh, you know, it depends on their mental state. Really? What kind of directions do you even like give? I mean, like, like walk us through, I guess, directing a scene. Okay. Um, well I am, uh, originally I'm a photographer and obviously I shoot video and I direct and stuff because I have to, but I started off as a photographer. Um, so photographs are very important to me. So before we do any scene, we shoot photos and I is depending on how much time I have, I give them a lot of direction with pictures, a lot more than most people do. It's actually shocking to me since like print is dead now and magazine layouts aren't really a thing and girls don't do ton of modeling a lot of girls now that i get have like no idea how to pose they don't know how to stand still they're like i should be stroking not in a stroke gesture yeah 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 (laughs) exactly so um so i have to give them a lot of direction there and then when it comes to the scene i might have to tell them they need to move more they need to be more audible they need to um like not talk to me when i you know, when I ask them to do something, like if they're in a striptease, for example, and like they're, we're going to put music over it, if I give them direction because they need it, I'm like, okay, take your bra off now. They can't say, okay. They can't respond to me because you see their lips moving on yeah. camera. So stuff like like little things like that, I might have to tell them. Generally, when I'm shooting with a new girl, I really try to pair her with somebody who's very experienced, either, whether that be the guy or the girl, so that they can kind of like walk them through the scene and direct them through the scene and open them up to camera and stuff like that. Shooting two new people together is a, 
fucking nightmare. But um, if you have a really great, uh, like solid, for example, solid male performer and a brand new girl, the guy knows how to handle her and how to open her up to camera and put her in different positions. And so like he almost does a lot of the work for me. Mm -hmm. uh, What's the difference then uh, in shooting new guys or do you not? I almost never do. Never. Uh, Okay. That's because the, the guy's job is like the hardest. It really, really is. We don't give literally, literally, (laughs) we don't give enough credit to the guys. Um, what they have to go through to, um, you know, produce a good scene. And so much of it is reliant on their ability to carry the scene and their ability to keep wood and that kind of thing. So, um, there's a lot of pressure on the dudes. And so I tend to stick with like the top tier talent because they just make my life so much easier. Yeah, I gotta imagine. Who who are some of your like favorite people to shoot with? Um I love Ramon. Without getting in trouble, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I love Ramon, um, Isaiah Maxwell, um uh, Derek Pierce, Cody Steele's a new guy, he's really good. So is Ryan King, he's really good. Um <sighs> There's so much more. Charles Dara. Obviously, I fucking love Charles. He's amazing. Um, Logan Pierce is great. I just had him on my podcast. Mm. Um, there's a lot. I mean, I I love the guys. Like, I, I really do. And I, I give them a ton of credit. And, um, you know, the, the good male performers are just like, they're everything. Yeah. Well, as we learned in like uh, the if you if anyone saw the Hot Girls Wanted turned on like mm-hmm. in your episode, which is like I, I forget if I said this on or off mic, so here I'll just say it again just in case. But it's like your episode was the first one. And it's about like feminist porn, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, about female empowerment. Yeah, it's like that's porn. the good episode, and then yeah. the other five were like, we're gonna fuck everyone over. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't think that the other episodes. I don't know. I, honestly, I didn't see all of them, but mm-hmm. I saw a few of them. And I don't think that they were necessarily like untrue. Um, I think that there was a lot of truth to a lot of them. And look, the porn industry isn't always like sunshine and rainbows. Mm -hmm. You know, there's dark corners to it. And this is the other thing. It's a fucking documentary. Like most documentaries are not happy-go-lucky. I mean, when was the last time you walked away from a documentary and you like felt better about the world? It's like I've you know what I mean. Like even with Mister Rogers, like you're still leaving sad. You know? Yeah, like, they always have like some kind of sadness, or there's some lesson or something like that. And in the end, it's entertainment, right? Yeah. So you need drama to sell it. People want to be entertained. Otherwise, if it's just a fluff piece, people aren't interested in mm-hmm. it. So that's, um, that's why I was upset about the reaction with the industry. Grand, like my who am I to say what the in an industry's reaction should be? But like with the original documentary, I was like. Yeah, this like doesn't paint it in a great light, but like I asked a couple, you know, performers I knew who work out of Miami and I was like, is this kind of like, is this, is this a thing? And they were like, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an at that there's a scene of that, you know, I'm not in that, but there that exists here. Uh, yeah, that was the thing. Like, so the first Hot Girls Wanted documentary that covered the amateur porn industry in Florida um, was not inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem was, is that it, it took a very narrow vision of the adult industry and to the uneducated viewer made it appear that the entire porn industry is like that. Like mm-hmm. there was no, um, contrast. There was no hashtag, not all porn. Yeah. Involved. There was no contrast. There was no, like, this is what like, you know, 
um, good high-end mainstream porn is like, and this is what like dark, like dirty amateur porn yeah. is like. The, the, there was just that dark side. Um, so people watch that and they're like, oh my God, all porn is like that. And it's not like that. And Florida is known to have a more amateur um, kind of uh, porn element there. They're almost more like the underbelly of the porn industry, whereas like LA is kind of like the shiny, like the big, all the big like mainstream companies like Digital yeah. Playground and Wicked and Brazzers, um, Twisties, uh, all like shoot kind of out of this, this area. Um, so there's, you know, there's two sides to porn and that only kind of showed one side. And that was, that was my issue with it. I didn't think that there was anything like, like I said, I don't think that the documentary itself was untrue. I just felt it was very one-sided. So when um, Rashida approached me about doing the second Hot Girls Wanted... Wait, Rashida, like herself, approached you? Rashida's people. And then I oh, spoke to Rashida. She did speak to her. And you were well, like... Well, she directed my episode. So she oh, was she there. Did. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so every once in a while, I'd throw in like, hey, like, Andrew Tribeca, what the fuck is that? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually never watched her show. <laughs> that, you're talking about Parks and Rec, right? Uh, well, no, she had her own show oh, on Tri TBS See, or something. See, I don't watch yeah. TV. So, like, it's funny. Like, to me, like, everybody else in my crew was kind of excited that like Rashida Jones was coming to set and like to me because like I don't watch TV I was kind of like I don't really sort of like know that sure. much who she is like I know she's kind of famous but I don't watch anything she's in um but she yeah so my episode was the only one that she actually directed so she was actually on set for it uh -huh. um and I really liked her we got along really well I actually went and visited her at her place in Ohio too <laughs> like so like we're not like buddies sure. but you know like we're friendly um and like I said I I liked her. So, uh, and my episode was kind of like her idea of, I think like the antidote to like the first one, because she saw that, you know, people, and a lot of people said like, Oh, Rashida's anti-porn and blah, 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 blah. And it was funny because, um, I didn't see any of those interviews that she did to do the first Hot Girls Wanted. But she didn't direct Hot Girls Wanted. She was just an e she was just a producer, uh, like an EP on it. And that's why I got mad when people were yelling at her. I was like, maybe she is, maybe she's not. But like, she didn't make the movie. Like, she probably introduced someone or helped get it sold. But like, she didn't. She's not creatively that involved. Probably that's that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the. I honestly don't know how involved yeah. she was in the first one. I do kind of know how involved she was in the second series. And what a lot of people don't realize is that no, she was not able to call all of the shots there's a lot of people involved and ultimately netflix has the final say on how they want something to come out mm -hmm. so a lot of people attacked her after that second one without really knowing the semantics and the little everything behind the scenes mm -hmm. um but you know everybody's got to have somebody to bash right and she was the easiest person to attack she's the only one who's verified on twitter to it <laughs> right you know? sometimes that's just what ends up being it's like well who has the most followers that will get me attention for calling them out so everyone knows yeah. how good of a person i am yeah. for yelling at a stranger yeah exactly so but she really wanted to kind of like show the other side of the adult industry with my episode specifically which was women on top and I feel like she did. I yeah. liked my episode. Honestly, like I was proud of it. I thought it came out really well. I'm glad that I did it. Um, and uh, I, like I said, I really liked Rashida. Um, but it was funny because actually when my episode first came out, there was a lot of people on Twitter who were like a lot of porn stars, a lot of people who didn't like the first hot girls wanted who were like, Oh, finally, like Rashida gets it right. You know, like this episode's great. Like it's not like porn negative mm -hmm. and you know, it shows, you know, women in porn in a good light, blah, blah, blah. 
And then time went by and people watched the other episodes and boy, oh boy, did their tone change. Like an hour later when they were, yeah. like, were continuing the binge, they were like, it's just the tweets get angrier. Yeah, and, and then it was like, fuck Rashida, fuck Hot Girls Wanted. And like, and then some people attacked me because I refused to jump on like the I hate Rashida bandwagon because I personally had nothing against her. Yeah. I liked my episode. Like, I <laughs> thought it was great. And I just didn't, you know, I wasn't going to be bullied into joining in with the lynch mob. And um, yeah, some people got mad at me about that. But I was like, whatever, I'll yeah. mute you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the mute button. Just oh, the mute button's great. The best. Don't give them the satisfaction of being blocked, but also gets them out of my notifications. Yeah. And mm. there's, you know, there's something to be said for like the outrage culture that's out there now on social media. Some people just love to fight and love to complain and just they got to have something to fucking go on about. And- Even I love to fight and be right about something. And I like, so I got an email two nights ago from like a listener and I at this recording, I don't know if I've already read it on yet, but I'm very excited to write her back and I'm even more excited to just shit on her shitty, selfish, <laughs> dumb, granted 17 year old boyfriend on air because it's just how like he won't go down on her. Uh, they're in high school, but he won't go down on her because he can imagine her with other guys and so previously, he's only hooked up with virgins. And I'm just like, the answer simply is like, well, he's 17. But there's like a bigger thing where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to rail. There's, I'm totally in the right here. I'm so excited. And then I realized like, why am I so excited to yell at someone? Fuck, that's a problem. Self-righteousness is yeah. like its own drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I generally stay out of flame wars and I stay out of drama. I don't, I don't engage. So the mute button is my friend. Fantastic, and when and your episode was like about like 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 feminist point. Like, do you consider the um, do you consider the point that you do to be feminist? Honestly, um, it's funny. Honestly, don't lie to me because people. (laughs) I've been here two hours. I want honest answers. People, people have asked me that. They're like, and I was like, do I really need to pigeonhole myself like that? Because I I think people, I, I mean, if. The porn that I produce shows women in a positive light, um, and that's considered feminist porn. Uh, sure. Um, but I don't really go out there thinking like, what can I do to like, you know, make feminist porn today? Sure. I think Erica Lust is very much on that bandwagon. And, um, I think what she does is great. And it was interesting actually about that hot girls wanted episode. There was something about that that really kind of, helped me with some things that I was going through. So I was going through like a really dark time when that whole thing was filmed. Okay. And um, I was having a hard time. I didn't know where my place was in the industry. I felt like, you know, the glamour porn was dying and, um, you know, I wasn't getting like the jobs that I used to be getting. And I just felt, I don't know, my star diminishing or whatever it may be. And I just was like in a really low point. And I was watching it and I'm watching Erica who's like so excited about what she's doing and she's out there to change the world and she's out there to change what people think of porn and she's out there to make a difference and she's so inspired and enthusiastic <laughs> and then cut to me and I'm just like whining like a little <laughs> bitch the whole time. Like, You're just out there acting like buys a- porn anymore. <laughs> You're just out there whining like a man. I don't know. <laughs> I was being, oh my God, I was being such a little, just, and I, I looked at the juxtaposition of her enthusiasm and, you know, my doldrums and it kind of, 
I don't know, seeing all of that from a third party, I think kind of kicked me up the ass a little bit. And I was like, I'm kind of a miserable bitch. (laughs) And it kind of like got me and inspired me to like get things moving again and start my own thing. And really, I don't know, it injected some enthusiasm and some inspiration back into my life. And actually that's was one of the catalysts that started me creating my own podcast, Holly Randall unfiltered. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so the Mm -hmm. documentary kind of like changed my life in a way right so um again i'm i'm glad i did it so even that long into your career as established as you are you get these like moments where you're just even questioning like do i belong here oh a hundred percent really i oh yeah i've gone through that a couple of times um you know because as rates and budgets keep getting smaller and smaller, I'm just getting squeezed more and more. And I think every single director will tell you this. You Hashtag know, pay I'm, for your porn, everybody. Oh Hotmovies.com slash bonus, promo code manor, however you have to do it. I don't <laughs> care. Just throw a dollar somewhere. It's it's really difficult. You know, I have to work five times as hard for like a third of the money now. And um, it's, it's a struggle. And I, I want to continue to produce beautiful product, but like people don't want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I... I do wonder like, what the fuck am I going to do? Because what am I going to do? What else am I going to do with my life? Like I've branded myself with the scarlet letter. Like what am I going to go become like a fucking elementary school teacher now? I, like, if you no. Google my name, the word man whore pops up. I feel you. <laughs> and, and I'm not even 30 yet. I'm just like, I, I'm in a place where like I could pivot if I didn't have that attached to me. Right. <laughs> I mean, the world really likes to pigeonhole you and they really like to say, okay, this is who you are and this is what you're going to be for the rest of your life. And now with the internet, like having your backstory there for all eternity, it's really hard to get away from that. And so it's like, you know, we've, we've basically, we've made our bed and we got a lie in it. So, but I don't want to do anything else with my life. Like I like the industry that I work in. I like the people that I work with. I like the creativity that I have sometimes. Um, so I like all of those things. So I don't want to do anything else, but you know, it's, uh, sometimes it's just, it, it's sometimes it's hard. Yeah. What, what is the most difficult part about your job now? Um, producing everything that my clients want in a day for the budget that they give me, um, without, you know, shooting 15 to 18 hour days all the time. What, what, when you go back and they say like, when they say like, I want X, Y, Z, A, B, and C, and you say, look, I can give you like A and C and X and some of Y and they get pissy, like, and you say, that's what you've given me for a budget. What's usually the response to they go and hire someone cheaper. Okay, so they just get like, they'll be like, well, we'll find a, the cheaper director and then they can maybe use that extra money to, to do the Yeah, thing I mean, want. I've definitely like, you know, I've had, I've been dropped gotcha. by some clients because we fought about money, so. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, do you have, do you have like a, I mean, so you don't shoot anything like independently for like your own, you don't have like a site where you're independently shooting and producing your own stuff or is it all for other bigger Oh, uh, no, places? I do. I okay. do. I have um, hollyrandall.com, which I do shoot for independently. But, you know, I don't have doesn't the... Doesn't bite, right? No, it doesn't okay, bite, cool. especially with this ball in her mouth. Okay. My pit bull just came up uh, to, to us. But she, you know what it is? Because it's almost feeding time. That's why they're over here. Mm. Yeah, but it's okay. Don't worry. She's got a ball in her mouth. She's not interested in anything else. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, what were we saying? We were talking about, oh yeah, my website. So yeah, I have hollyrandall.com, but I mean, to be honest, I don't have the kind of traffic and the kind of pull and the kind of membership numbers that a lot of my clients do. Mm -hmm. So 
it's not, you know, I can't with the money that I make from it, I can barely afford to produce content from it much less like make a living off of it. Now I'm trying to do some things to change that. I finally, I had some other people running my site for about five years. I left them. I relaunched the site. Um, I'm doing a big like server move right now. Um, we've, we've done some things that I'm hoping will change it, but it's hard, you know, it's very competitive out there. Um, there's a lot of bigger sites with more content than mine that people can go to if they want to pay for stuff. And let's be honest, there's a lot of free porn out there that people can go watch. So most people aren't paying for porn. Sure. So it's it's really hard. And it's it's so weird when it's like the I'm sure the movement started as hashtag pay for your porn, but then it's like so he's like hashtag pay for some of your porn or hey like can you just give me a dollar like a month like just whatever throw something here yeah yeah it's 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 gotten like uh, you feel like you're begging I gotta imagine it feels like you're begging now oh my god all the time like I feel like all I ever do on all my social media platforms is plug this plug that. You know, I'm constantly like, join my Patreon. Join. Huh. Now I have two Patreons. I have a Patreon <laughs> for Holly Randall Unfiltered, and then I have a Patreon for Holly Randall Art, which is like my erotic nude art. I'm trying to fund a book. Um, and then obviously there's my website, and then there's like my private Snapchat, and then there's like uh. my OnlyFans, which I never promote. <laughs> but I mean, there's, yeah, it's I'm just constantly like, give me money, give me money, give me money, give me money. And not like, give me money, but it's like, Pay for the thing you use. Like, yes. And, and, and now imagine it's like you do a podcast where like literally it's supposed to be free. Yes. You, well, you know, but it's yes. just like that is like, yeah, you do the podcast and then it's like, well, then you're asking for money for a thing that they consume every fucking week. And then yeah. they're like, I know I don't have a dollar for you ever. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Like, yeah. how do you want me to do this? And that's why I don't when people keep saying to me, yeah, of course, I don't pay for porn. But like, but then how do you expect them to make more? The only vaguely logical response I've ever gotten from someone was, does more porn need to be made? Because, like, I'm pretty sure we could, like, really rest on the endless amounts that have been produced over the last, like, 50 years. But people are hungry. I mean, there's a voracious appetite for porn and and new porn and there's new porn stars coming into the you know on the market and I mean people ever always just want something new 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 something bigger better and it's crazy Uh, it's never ending it's feed the machine feed it yeah well Holly Jesus uh do you have uh I don't know your time constriction do you want do you have an extra like 10 ish minutes do a little yeah no I yeah totally oh you're so fun to talk to certainly do (laughs) um (laughs) certainly that makes it sound like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, well, for now, where can people go find you and pay for their porn or follow you on social media or anything? Oh, wow. You got an hour. Um, <laughs> so my main website is... The Hol- bonus episode is actually just your plugs. Okay, fantastic. Right. <laughs> um, my main website is hollyrandall.com. And then my podcast is Holly Randall Unfiltered. And you can go to patreon.com slash Unfiltered to support me there. I offer all kinds kinds of cool like perks and prizes and stuff like that then i have um my uh new art patreon which is uh patreon.com slash holly randall art which is where i'm trying to fund an erotic art book and social media social media yeah i'm like what else oh yeah the free stuff um on instagram and on twitter i'm at holly randall i like how you refer to it oh yeah the free stuff <laughs> the free shit <laughs> well holly you're so much fun why don't you for now go ahead and say goodbye to everybody okay goodbye everybody and what did you think about that one everybody is it did it live up to the hype that i gave it because i think it did 
Make sure you go check out Holly's podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. And again, go follow her on the stuff and things. Of course, you can follow me on social media on Twitter at TheBillyPresita. Say hello. Use the hashtag ManWhorePodcast so I can find what you're saying about the show. We're also posting all sorts of fun and sex-positive content over on the Podcast Facebook fan page. Just search Podcast and you'll find it. And if you want to say something to me personally, maybe it's a little longer, you know, maybe it's a comment, a question, a titty picture, you can send it on over to ManWhorePod at gmail.com. This Friday, once again, January 18th, tickets for the Tour de Manhor go on sale. Go get your discounted pre-sale ticket for a city near you at manhorpod.com slash tour. Last and certainly not least, uh, become a member of my fan whore community on Patreon. You'll be supporting the show and you'll receive a slew of awesome rewards, including bonus episodes of this very show. $5 and up members tomorrow will get an extra bonus episode with me and Holly Randall, where we talk a bit more about uh, her personal porn tastes, whether or not her boyfriend watches porn, and how she sometimes lets fans write her scripts. How about that? Head on over to patreon.com slash podcast to become a member. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Next week, we've got episode 250. Oh my gosh, everyone. 250 episodes. That's absurd. That's a lot of sex talking. And just, gosh, my dick is tired. Um, I've, I've been thrilled to say it for 248 episodes in a row. And I'm thrilled to say it for the 249th. Go achieve your fantasies and stay slutty. Mm-hmm.